0: Again everybody, it's Dave O here of the Fearless Fathers podcast. Welcome to the podcast for growing dads who want to break the generational traditions that no longer serve them so they could be better parents for their families and their kids. Today I have another special guest on the podcast with me today. I have Mr. Brad Baldridge. He is a college funding specialist who's been in the financial planning business since 98, but he's been really focusing down on college financial planning since about 2005-2006. He's helped thousands of families plan and save for college with smart and proven strategies to save time, money, and obviously that so lovely stress that we have in today's world. As an expert, he's a blogger. He's also a host of the Taming the High Cost of College podcast, as well as its website. Brad has been sharing these planning insights with clients, subscribers, and listeners for decades, absolute decades, almost since before I've been alive. He teaches parents the best way to save and pay for college, including how to find the right schools maximizing your financial aid, scholarships, possibly avoiding student loan debt since that's the big issue topic in today's world and make your child children's college dreams come true without wiping out your finances or your retirement. Brad, I want to welcome you to the fearless father's podcast today. It is an honor to have you here, sir. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So this is a, obviously as we talked a little bit on in the intro, college planning, college saving, Getting children that want to go out for that higher education, it, it's such a big, big issue in today's society, especially we're seeing in the news with student loan debt repayment and just trying to pay for college and the rising of tuition. So I really kind of want to get an idea. We talked about it in the intro there. You've been doing specializing in college planning since about 2005, 2006. What, what made you want to focus specifically on college planning?
1: Right. So I've been... Again, working as obviously as a financial advisor, as you mentioned, and college was becoming a bigger and bigger piece of the puzzle as prices were going up and more more families were wanting to send their kids off to college. And it was impacting the rest of their financial life. So as we were, you know, again, the idea of a college savings was kind of born about that time where most people had kind of started to hear about it a little bit. A few had done it. But it became much more popular because college was going up at such a high rate. It was getting more and more expensive. So I realized that there's a lot of strategies families could use around need based aid and merit aid and loans. And just like general financial planning, if you're a little more efficient, it can go a long ways. Uh, but most people had no idea what to do or even any understanding of how need based aid worked as an example. So they're kind of flying in the dark and, as I started putting that information out, people were asking me more questions and wanted more information. So it just became an obvious um, need out there that I, I chose to fill, and I enjoy it. It's you know it's a little bit complex in some ways, so it's always new and different, and so I enjoy that. It's not very cookie cutter for most people, <laughs> and uh, you know I can add a lot of value. I can you know I I tend to save much more than I cost, which is a great place to be.
0: Oh 100%. I, I remember like you said you started this in 2005, 2006. Prices were rising. I was a sophomore going into a junior in high school at that time. I graduated 08 and you know, that's right at the re- right at the recession. I remember if I wasn't in the military, I didn't know how to pay for college. I you know, student loans were becoming that thing. I'm it, it's it became an overwhelming complex just for me alone at 18 wanting to go to higher education and do all these crazy things and you're right at that time it didn't really seem like a very known subject. It was, it was still new. The internet wasn't where it was, where you had all these free resources and all these crazy things going out there. So really trying to understand what is a college savings, how to actually maximize all that student aid. I mean, I lived off financial aid when I went through for the few semesters I did, but it, it just becomes one of those things that really becomes overwhelming, especially if you don't have your parents who might be able to support that. Have you, have you ever like delved into that situation with, Individuals going to college who may not have that type of resource with their families.
1: Um, well, certainly, um, some you know, I, I've seen situations. I mean, and more even more common is when in a, like a divorce situation where one parent is kind of holding the bag and they're not getting much help from the other parent. Or again, sometimes it's a student just saying, "Well, my parents can't help or won't help or whatever it might be." Um, we certainly see that, and the challenge, of course, is. In general, the system is set up that parents are kind of required to help and they don't have a lot of sympathy, you know, for that high earning parent that says, I don't want to help go figure it out on your own. They're going to, you know, again, kind of cut that student off. It, it, it's it's very much set up as a family process, parents and student until the student is what we would call independent, which would be turning 24 you know, getting married, having dependents of their own, that type of thing. And then you're then you don't have to report mom and dad. But the typical student rolling out of high school and going off to college, they're going to have to report mom and dad's situation as well as their own. So that's fair. That's actually interesting. Um, can you just
0: dive a little bit deeper into that, like how the system is designed in a way that pretty much forces parents
1: to help with the college planning? Right. And again, it doesn't force them to help. It forces the students to report what's going on. Gotcha. And if the parents, and then of course they're not going to help. So as an example, a true student that doesn't have any parent support rolling out of high school, they have almost no income and no assets. They'd be highly qualified for aid and they might get Pell grants and other aid to the tune of, you know, seven, eight, $10,000. Well, that a same student, but that has, you know, middle income or upper middle income parents that have just said, well, we're not willing to participate, they're going to have to report mom and dad's income and assets on the FAFSA and they're not going to qualify for that aid. And then it's not going to be awarded. So the student can still go to school. It's just that there'll be 10,000 or 8,000 or whatever less money available through financial aid. And again, most students would look at that and say, well, there's no way I can fill the gap now. I mean, because. I didn't qualify for this aid because I think my parents can help and cover that for me, mm. but they're not willing to do it. A lot of those students find themselves struggling on how to make college happen. I mean, when I went to college, you could work hard in the summer, get a little bit of a loan and pay for it all and not be and not be uh, you know re- very reliant on your parents. But in the last 20 years, they've raised the prices so quickly that now it really is a family affair and to a lot of our listeners obviously this is a fathering podcast we
0: have a lot of parents who have younger children who might be starting these college savings programs for their kids growing up myself included or we have you know middle school parents out there and getting ready into the college student lifetime to kind of break it down for the you know very quickly for the ones that with the younger kids to the middle school kids to the ones getting ready for college How is it that those, that those parents can plan for college and where should they really start to begin that process, whether they're behind the eight ball or in front of the eight ball where where should they really go to get that going?
1: Right. So there's kind of a a transition. So I, I divided into what I call early stage planning and late stage planning. So early stage planning is, you know, we're pregnant. We've got a two-year-old and eight-year-old, even somebody in middle school. Because you don't really have the details yet. It's not time to do the true college planning. It's time to get financially ready, perhaps, but that's about all you can do. Whereas once you have a high school's uh, freshman, sophomore, junior, now you're visiting schools, you're trying to figure out testing, you're getting ready to do applications for admission, financial aid applications, figure out loans. You know What about scholarships? There's all kinds of stuff to do. And then and you're going to need to do all that stuff, whether you did a great job when you had the two-year-old or not, right? You could set up a savings plan and roll into high school with a big pile of money ready for college. Or you could do nothing at all when you're young and roll into high school and have no money saved. Either way, you're still going to have to figure it all out. And there's a lot to do. So that would be what I would call late stage planning. That's where I specialize. I work a lot with families that are And again, unfortunately, a lot of times I hear from parents of juniors and seniors, I'd love to hear more from parents of freshmen and sophomores, because the more time we have, the more likely we are to be able to do things better. Because a lot of times when we roll into it late in the process, we're really trying to say, well, what do we have time to do? You know, we only have time to do two or three of these strategies instead of all six, which ones are going to be better? Whereas if we had time, we would do all six and we wouldn't have, you know, and get the benefit of all six. And I think that's important for people to understand,
0: I think that's truly important, and I, I think that's a great point that you make in the fact that we look at college planning like it it almost becomes a subconscious thought that you have to look at college planning in like the freshman or not even the freshman year because I don't even remember looking at colleges in the freshman year. I would say for myself, going back, it was like late sophomore, early junior into senior year, you're starting to look at these schools, you're starting to look at all that, and for me, growing up, that's what it felt like a lot of the high school experience was in the later stages of high school. So what it really sounds like is that this should be more of an idea of, hey, listen, this is something that's going to happen in the next 10 years. Obviously, we usually don't plan out 10 years ahead or 15 years ahead. And then we start getting to that five-year or that three-year mark. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we're trying to rush. We're trying to rush. And we start stumbling. And we're not really maximizing all the value that we could get out of these if we maybe started that process a little bit sooner.
1: Right. Absolutely. And again, then Like I said, a lot of people get into a a panic end of junior year when it becomes real. It's like, oh, we're supposed to be taking the ACT or the SAT test. Oh, maybe we should be visiting colleges. Oh, I just learned that we're actually going to fill out financial aid applications and applications for admission early in the senior year of high school. That's only eight months away. What are we going to do? And eight months is better than two months. But two years would be better yet. And that's the, I think the challenge of there's things you can do where maybe the student's not ready, right? When you have a freshman, sophomore, maybe it's too early to visit a college. Maybe it's too early to pick a major. It's not too early for parents to say, well, college is coming. What resources do we have dedicated to college currently? And will it be enough? You know, will we qualify for need-based aid? Is our student on track for merit aid? are we interested in state schools or private schools is it going to be a full four year endeavor or are we going to look at community colleges or is college even right for our student you know maybe a gap year maybe military maybe get out in the working world for a while and you know, school of hard knocks is the right direction <laughs> yeah um, and, that, it, and it becomes such a thing like you said
0: and especially in today's world you have so many resources you have so much readily available information that in a way it could become very overwhelming for not just the child themselves but also that parent. So when we're talking about trying to get these ideas and like the late, we're we're going to the late stage planning here obviously, what are some of those top strategies that you're usually recommending to any clients or potential college students that are looking to go?
1: For many families, we do things around merit aid or need-based aid or both, right? You take a, a student that Does reasonably well academically. And sometimes, if they can just do a little bit better, they'll cross cross a line and the scholarship will go from 10,000 to 15,000 or from zero to 25,000 or whatever it might be. There are lines out there, and when you cross them, it's great. The challenge, of course, is a lot of times you don't even know where the lines are. And so, you always want to do the best you can do. So, that's one point. But also, in a lot of cases, parents don't realize that if you work to get to schools that you can just barely qualify for. And you're a below average student at that school, right? Because you just barely squeaked in. The college looks at you a lot differently than if that same student applied somewhere where they'd be a top dog. So a student that could barely get into, say, Notre Dame might be a really strong student and get substantially more scholarships at a Loyola or a Marquette or a University of Tampa. Of course, then when you get to the very elite schools, then the rules change again. So once you get to the Ivy League and Rice and Northwestern and Stanford and, you know, there's the top 25 or 50 schools, well, their rules are are different yet. Um, and if you've got a student like that, that's a whole process you need to learn, right? If you have a student that's going to be top 2 or 3% of all students out there and has that kind of drive, well, great. Then learn about it because, again... Although they list that over 80,000 right now, many families will pay substantially less than that. So if you can get into Harvard, the money will fall into place. You don't need that's to worry a, about the money. That's a really interesting thing. I never knew anything about that
0: because you, you, you look at like Ivy Leagues like Harvard and Yale and Dartmouth and all that. And it's like, oh, $100,000 a year to go to this school. And the fact that you're saying that, hey, you know, a child who may be highly academic could go to a place like Harvard or Yale for substantially less than what their tuition is, is, is mind blowing to me. I mean, can can you dive a little bit deeper into that as far as like those programs that are out there and strategies that might help somebody in that situation?
1: So, you know, there's an article on my website about this and a, a couple of podcasts, but the, there's a number of schools out there that, you know, essentially they've got the name recognition. They've got the, large endowments, they, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they, what they collect in tuition is a small piece of their, their puzzle, so they can be very generous from their endowments, et cetera. So they are more than happy to meet 100% of need. So when you, they do the financial aid, and if many families, so let's say you earn $100,000, your need at a typical state school may not be much, you know, mm-hmm. because it costs 20 and you're, you're on the hook for 20. But if you're on the hook for 20 at Harvard and they cost 80, well, that essentially means that you're going to get a $60,000 scholarship. So the price is going to be very similar. And again, I'm way oversimplifying it, but that's sure. you know that's the context of depending, you know, colleges have raised their prices across the board and then they've raised their scholarships as well. So, so when you it's, actually it's, look at what it really costs, we, what we're concerned about is the net cost. Yes, the sticker price is 80, but if they're going to give you half off, you really what you really need to know is it's going to cost you 40. Person sitting next to you might, might pay 60 or 20. Uh, it just depends on their situation. And that's, I think, the biggest challenge for most families.
0: And, and I like how you put it that way, the sticker price of the of the college education. It's... We, we look at that number and we see Harvard, $80,000. We see Penn State being in Pennsylvania. I think it's like forty or $50,000 a year. We see that price and we're like, that's the price. That's what it's going to be. They're, they're not going to negotiate that price. But then you don't realize that they've been raising tuition prices, but they've also been raising the amount of money that they're going to give away, those scholarships that they're going to give away to these students. So that way they can actually fill that need. They could fill that price. And when we're talking about the prices – what price should parents actually be looking at when they're looking at these schools and and we're seeing all these and we're talking about sticker price and we're talking about scholarships like what really should we be averaging or at least looking at when we're looking at all these different schools for our children
1: for many families the low cost option is going to be your local state school and the reason they're low cost is because their their top line sticker price is low they're not going to get And again, in a lot of cases, if you're middle income, upper middle income, they're not going to give you much aid. But the fact that they have a low sticker price, that's all they're already the winner. Right. Average Mm -hmm. state school is, say, twenty five thousand all in that's tuition, room and board books, fees, beer and pizza. The whole cost of a typical (laughs) college for one year. Now, the average private school is about fifty five thousand all in same number, same comparison. But the the average state school gives you about eight thousand off. The average private school gives you about twenty five thousand off. On average, the state the private school is still more expensive than the state school. And of course, nobody out there is average. They're usually above average or below average. So that's where, you know, that's where the you know the data stops for most people. Is now you got to figure out well, what is it going to be for you specifically, because a kid that's a rock star at Notre Dame again and can just barely get in because it's all they take is rock stars may not get much aid that same kid at a a lesser school. And I'd say lesser in air quotes there. <laughs> um, cause it could be a very good school still. Sure. You know, and they might qualify for a 20 or 30 or $40,000 merit scholarship. So then the question becomes, do I want to go to this school for 50 or that school for 30 or this school for 20 or that? And I see that a lot where the name brand school might, might come in as the low-cost option and everybody's happy, right? The school I love is the lowest cost and we can afford it and everything's great. But more often I see, well, the schools we you know with the prestige and the name that we're, we're hoping for are coming in at 50. The local state school is 25 and this other private school that isn't quite as strong as far as name brand is 30. Is it worth an extra 25 to go to the name brand school? It's like, I, you know, again, that's a value proposition, right? Is a hundred thousand dollar BMW worth it? Some people would say yes. Some people would say no, but obviously they're on the road. So somebody bought it. Somebody thinks it's worth it or they wouldn't have done it. Right. That, that, and again, that's, that's, an, that's an
0: opinion, right? hundred percent that that's the comparison between name brand and great value what are you going to take is it about the same it's about the same taste and quality as the name brand but the great value is a little bit cheaper and I think it might be okay obviously oversimplifying and it's a little bit of a weird analogy but that you know I think that's a good way to look at it right because we, we look at schools so many times and obviously I have a young child at home so school's not really big on our brain right now at this point you know he's getting into preschool we're doing the whole tuition thing. But it becomes one of those things that, like you said, it's going to pick up really quickly. It's going to get there really, really fast before you even realize it. Your children's in junior, you know, junior senior, and high school, like you said, you're looking at, like we talked about, ACTs, SATs, visiting colleges. Is it going to be a community college to get two years going? Is it going to be a state school? The fact that you even said that private schools basically can give a scholarship 50% off, I mean, just blew my mind when you said that. Because you, you, don't, you don't picture those things. You don't see those things because, again, we're looking at the sticker price of what's going on. And one really big thing I want to pick up on this is like we talked about student loans in the beginning and how big they are. And, you know, that that's the big key right now is everybody's student loans are so high. it's It's dragging everybody down. When we're looking at our kids and we want them to go to school and we don't want to do the whole student loan route. I mean, is there even a way to get away from the student loan route?
1: Well, absolutely. And again, you know, again, another example, right? I I meet families all the time and dad's a middle manager and mom works part-time and they have pretty good income and they live in a nice neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera. And they say, Oh, I can't afford to," We can't afford to save for college. You know, where on earth would we come up with for money for college? And then I'll meet someone that earns $50,000 less than them. That's saving 500 or a thousand a month. well, You know, again, it's all relative, and that's that's the reality, right? Once you get above basic needs, and again, you know, if at the very low incomes, obviously, it's a different story. But sure, once you're, you know, sometimes you make that decision of, well, we're going to buy the bigger house, and our mortgage is going to go up by a thousand a month. But that's why we work hard; we want to spend our money on something that's important to us. The question is, did you factor in college before you made that decision? Because you may have made the decision that we're going to spend a thousand a month more on a bigger mortgage instead of a thousand a month towards college. You know, again, most of the time you, we're not thinking of it all at all at the same time, right? We're saying, Oh, we could afford that. And you, and you can, but did you, did you already put college savings? You know, is that important to you? You know, again, I meet all kinds of people at age, you know, with 17 and 18 year olds that are saying, well, here's what's really important to us getting college paid for without student loans." and retiring. And then I look at what they're doing with their money and they're doing everything except figuring out college and retirement, right? They've got, the kids are doing inexpensive sports. the They're taking nice vacations that, you know, the whatever it is, right? And none of those things are bad, right? We all spend our money on what we want to spend our money on. But I think that's the challenge is saving enough gap in our budget so that we have some discretion. And that might mean we can't keep up with the Joneses in every category. You know, We can't say, well, these, this family over here has really nice cars. And you know, I have a lot of people that come to me with substantial college savings. And that's what they say is, we never bought a new car. We decided that new cars weren't worth it. And instead, we saved for college. It's absolutely massive. And it, it's such a parallel,
0: right? You have the, the family that makes $50,000 less. They're setting their children up for success down the road. Where you have the other parents that are maybe up eighty, a hundred thousand dollars a year in a median household, but they're just like you said, keeping up with the Joneses. I'm a big believer of this myself. Keeping that extra five hundred, or even seven fifty, or even two hundred and fifty dollars a month, starting that out small, building that small little nest egg, five, ten, fifteen years down the road is going to pay higher dividends than if you got that higher mortgage or you. You went on that vacation every year. Obviously, we want to have fun. We want to live life. We don't want to, we don't want to be scrimped and saved and completely just torn down and have those higher stressors. But it becomes a much higher or a much more happy median when you could say, okay, we're living a life. We have pretty good vacations a year. We're putting away a good nest egg for a college savings plan for our child or whatever they want to do when they turn 18, 19. Obviously, we're talking college here. What are some other strategies that you have for those families that might be looking at retirement? They're afraid of putting all their money or maybe all their life savings into college. And they're afraid that they're not going to have enough money for savings since we're talking more on the saving side of things here.
1: Like young families, especially, right? You know, when you've got the, you know, the kids that are in daycare still. And you're saying, oh, my, you know, we're, we're spending, you know, I, I had three kids under four when I was young. Way back in the day, as they say, right? <laughs> I date myself. Um, no, and we were spending almost two thousand a month in daycare. I can't imagine what it would be today. It would be probably quite a bit more. Um, but and that was tough. And then, but when that subsided, did we take that three thousand a month to do something positive with it, or did we, you know? And that I think is the challenge. A lot of times we we grow our lifestyle as fast as we grow our income. And if you can just say, well, maybe we can't afford to save now, but the next raise I get, I'm gonna bump my 401k from the lowly 3% I'm doing now. I'm, if I get a 3% raise, I'll bump my 401k by two of that three. And then the last percent we'll put into college. Um, because a lot of a lot of times, going from five years experience out of college to 15 years experience out of college, that's when a lot of your earning potential grows. And, you know, maybe you've got to change jobs to do it. Maybe you got to be willing to ask, you know, for those raises, but that's the other side of the equation is, well, I can't live on the amount of income we have. We can't do it all with the amount of income we have. Okay. Grow your income, you know, side hustle, ask the boss for a raise, be willing to take on more responsibility at work, whatever it might be. And, you know, again, you always got to find that balance of, well, I want to be present and around my young family as well. I can't just work all the time. And again, there's no easy answers here, right? If it's, you know, nobody has it easy, despite what Instagram and Facebook is telling you. (laughs) Um, It's, you know, it's always a a balancing act.
0: A hundred percent a balancing act. And you're absolutely right. I mean, if everything was easy in this world, we'd all be perfect. We wouldn't have podcasts like this. We wouldn't be talking about college savings. We wouldn't be talking about any of this, any of this stuff today. It'd be all easy, but like you said, taking that 401k or you know, if you're a federal employee, that TSP, and you get that 2.5% or that 3% raise, just raising it one or two points. One or two points is going to pay massive dividends, especially if you're a young family like myself, and you're building that nest egg, and you're building that, and then taking that extra 1% and putting it towards a high-interest savings account or a college savings fund. Just something because the money's already there. You're already living within your means. It's... Take, take what Brad's saying here, guys, and just use these little bit of pieces. If you're doing those, double down on them. If you're not, take a little extra strategy. If you could look at it, make it work. Everybody can make it work, whether you have $60,000 less than the next person next to you. Instagram and Facebook only shows 25% of what really happens in life. That's my own strategy. Brad's been dropping a lot of value today about college savings, about getting your children ready for college, whether you're a young family member, you have children in middle school. We're talking about early stage planning. We're talking about late stage planning. If you're really behind the eight ball, this might be the best time to talk about this kind of stuff. But I really want to talk about, and we hit it in the beginning of this episode, about uh, Brad's podcast and his website, TamingTheHighCostaCollege.com, as well as the name of the podcast. Brad, can you give us a little bit about the website, what it kind of offers, what the podcast offers, all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so right. So it's certainly com is where everything is, or most everything anyway. And the podcast is there. And obviously, wherever you get podcasts, we're there as well, I'm sure. Um, but in addition to the podcast, we've got a newsletter. I'm building a course right now that will help people walk through this. And again, this is targeted to the late stage crowd. So that if you've got a high school freshman, sophomore, junior, and you're looking for a little more structured you know, how do I do this? You know, how do I figure out financial aid and how do I use an EFC calculator and all that kind of stuff? It's there. Um, we got free resources, scholarship guide for busy parents. Um, there's a net price of colleges by state. So you can, if you're early in the process, you can just download the list of the top, you know, the, the typical colleges in your state, your state schools and your local privates and that type of thing. And it'll show you not just their top line price, but what their average net price is at different income categories. So you can get an inkling of, well, gee, Northwestern at my income is going to be this instead of that. So that's a great resource if you're just starting out. And it's also a great resource if you're applying to Northwestern. You're saying, well, gee, am I getting a fair deal? Are they offering me what they offer other people on average? So you can kind of double check and make sure that, and again, because it's very opaque right now, when the internet came along, car sales changed a lot because people Mm -hmm. were putting Mm -hmm. what they, what they actually paid, not what the sticker was. And now all of a sudden, consumers had a lot more information. We're not quite there yet with college. Uh, We're getting there. And, you know, there's a number of us out there that are working in the college space that are starting to collect the data and build the software and put the free resources out and and that type of thing. So again, lots of great resources. And then if you, you know, again, some people want to do it themselves. Some people, you know, can you contact me directly if you want direct help uh, through the website as well.
0: Make sure you check out that website guys, tamingthehighcostofcollege.com. I'm going to leave the link for that in the description of today's episode. Make sure you check that out, start looking at all of it. We have been talking a lot about today. If, if I had to sum up this episode today, I would say it's more so about just keeping an eye on what's going on in today's changing world. We know student loans are outrageous. We know tuition costs are rising exponentially. We know the stress that college puts on a young child as well as family members. What I didn't know is the fact that you could go to a higher level school and get – and they're raising scholarships as well as tuition. I didn't know about all these other programs and benefits that are out there, all the college savings that you can do. I feel in today's episode, Brad has dropped us so much value about a topic that we know, we feel like we know a lot about, but yet we still are just scratching the surface of. So take the things that Brad said, that extra 5% or that extra 2% knowledge, it's just going to build a better, more rounded family. If you're a young parent like myself, starting that process $100 a month at a time, $250 a month at a time, whatever you comfortably can do, is going to make a long-term effect if you're a late stage parent like many out there going to the website that uh, taming the high cost of checking that out going in there using the calculators figuring out what's out there talking to your child about different options and other availabilities it's going to go a long way brad before we close this out today is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know any call to actions that you might have or anything else
1: Well, I think Nike said it best when just do it, especially in the late stage, right? its I've never, ever had anyone tell me, oh, I started this too early. But I've had a whole lot of people tell me they started too late. I wish they would have started earlier or whatever it might be. So, And again, your student may not be ready. I I hear that a lot, too. People say things like, well, my freshman doesn't know what they want to be when they grow up, so we don't know a major, so we can't do anything yet. It's like, well, you can do a lot. Especially on the parent side, right? College planning is stuff you do with your, you know, the student does on their own. What do they want to be when they grow up? They're going to have to put up the test scores. They're going to have to do the test, the studying for the tests and all that kind of stuff. They're going to have to do, put up the grades. You can't do much about that. But there's things that parents do by themselves as well. Are we going to qualify for aid? Are we going to set up a savings plan? How much are we willing to contribute from cash flow? Those types of things. And then there's stuff you do together, visiting colleges and deciding what's important about a particular college. Is it near or far, big or small? You know, all those types of things you'll do together. So if your student's not ready, do the parent stuff. When your student is ready, you know, get to work on that as well. And then, of course, don't let the student necessarily completely drive the time frame because some students will never be ready and you're just going to have to push them into it anyway. That was me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was you. Exactly. Right. So if you're not out there visiting junior year, you really need to be, in my opinion. You really need to be hitting it pretty hard early junior year instead of late junior year.
0: There you go, guys. Take that stuff Brad said. Make sure you go out there. Just start the process. If, if they're not ready, do what you can to get them set up for success. Even if they decide not to go down the road, that's perfectly fine too. But at least you're learning a little bit more along the way and you're helping out your children become a lot better and a lot stronger. Brad, I want to thank you very much for being on the show, brother. It was an absolute honor to have you today. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you guys today for listening to this episode of the Fearless Fathers Podcast. Brad dropped a ton of value today about college savings, college planning, understanding that you don't have to put yourselves into a tremendous amount of debt just to send your kids off to higher education. If that's the route they want to go in today's world, take what Brad said. Use those nuggets if you're already in the college planning phase. Make sure you double down on it. You maximize what you can so that way you can set yourself up for success, which is going to set up your children for success. And make sure you head over to tamingthehighcostofcollege.com. Check out all the great resources, all the free information, the podcast itself. There's a lot of great stuff. Make sure you go check that out. Say what's up. Find the information. Continue to go out there as well. Share this podcast with other dads who need this information, especially this episode. Share this episode with whoever needs it. If you know if you know a coworker that has a kid going to college, make sure they listen to this episode. Hit a like, rate, and review wherever you're listening to on iTunes, Apple, Spotify. Apple and iTunes are the same. I already understood that, but I'm not editing it out. <laughs> make sure you go out there and do that. I want to thank you guys for listening. And until next time, let's rethink father.